Welcome to uh, all you listeners, all uh, three of you, <laughs> maybe more by this point, who knows? Uh, I'm uh, Brent Chittenden, and welcome to the second episode of True North Nerds. Yay! Yay! We made it two episodes. Hopefully, because these haven't actually been posted yet by the time that we've recorded this, so it's all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Um, with us, uh, this week is Kevin. Say hello, Kevin. Hello. Ryan. Hello. And Jen. Hello. So, uh, as advertised in the last episode, this week is the start of Great Trexpectations, where we are going to sit down, watch an episode of Deep Space Nine, and then review that episode. But before we get there, uh, let's, uh, go with a, a little game that, uh, Kevin came up with, trying to figure out what the episode is about based on the name of the episode. So the first episode of Deep Space Nine is called Emissary. Um, uh, I actually know what it's about, so I'm going to pass on this round because that takes all the fun out. <laughs> Jen, what do you think this episode's about? And stop looking at the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I've actually never seen Deep, Deep Space Nine before, so my expectations are kind of low. And Ryan just took my phone away. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Emissary. It's about somebody is the emissary to something, I would assume. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really Do you even that. know who the characters are on the show? Not really. Excellent. Bald captain, shapeshifter guy, a mm-hmm. couple people from Next Generation. Some bumpy foreheads. Yeah, mm-hmm. the girl with the spots on her neck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're that, there. That's what I know. <laughs> that's no. That's pretty good for a start. Yeah. Ryan, what do you think this episode's about? Uh, like yourself, I've seen this a few episode a few times, so I oh, okay. kind of know what it's about yeah. already. So I think Jen's the only one that hasn't seen it. So for I this t- this episode's game, yeah, it's good. This game's going to be a little bit more interesting when we get into like the middle of season two or three. Exactly. Or even, after season, after episode one and two, when it's, you know, who knows what these things are called. Right. Yeah. I do love the theme song for Deep Space Nine, though. It's beautiful. It is. A great piece of music. Yeah. Oh, the the orchestral theme that goes over it? Mm-hmm. I was like, when I think theme song, I think, like, one with lyrics. And there's theme only... I was going to say, there's only one Star Trek show that's got <laughs> lyrics to its theme song, and it is awful. <laughs> is it really a theme song if you can't sing along with it? You can sing along with it's it. It's still a song. But there's no words. It's Deep Space Nine. We're on Deep Space Nine. I made up words to the Next Generation theme song, which was mostly just me singing the characters as their names popped up <laughs> on the credits. Yes. Much to the annoyance of Brent. Maybe you'll be able to... Well, it was annoying at the start, and then it became funny. 
<laughs> Much like your Criminal Minds theme you song. Right, the Criminal Minds theme song. <laughs> Basically, I just sing Criminal Minds still to the tune of the so, song. Do you guys have any memory of watching this episode originally? I do. Because it was a big deal. Yeah. Like for, because uh, City did a premiere of it. Mm -hmm. Was it on right after Next Gen? Or was it <sighs> on the same night? I, I think it was on al alternate nights. Like I want to say it was Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 8 okay. for Star Trek. Don't quote me on that. I'm sure we could look that up somewhere too. Jen could. I don't think it really but it was on your Federation station. Yes. City oh TV. no, I, that's yeah. I watched it all on on City as well back in the day. So that uh, that is uh, that for that. Well, I guess no. The it, I remember it airing, and I remember they they had like a making of mm -hmm. either before or after the episode aired, and they made such a big deal of Odo shift or uh, shape changing. Which you see a lot of in the first episode, and then I think it tails off for the rest of season well, one. When you think about it, I mean, it anymore. this didn't come that long after Terminator 2, which was the first time you really saw that. Mm. So so it was a big deal that you were going to see this on television fairly regularly. Let's see how well it holds up 20, I mean, 25 years later. I was just going to say, I wonder how like how dated it's so, going to look. So wait, Odo doesn't really shapeshift? Well, he does. Yes, he does. What? Isn't that the whole point of him? Yeah, he oh, shapeshifts. Yeah. Okay, good. Because that's cool. I like shapeshifters. It's just shapeshifting's expensive. To <laughs> yeah. So you and, can't and do computer it generated imaging was new in 1993. Three. So. I'm looking up all this stuff on the internet. That's why it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I You're cheating. It defeats the purpose. You never said this was cheating. <laughs> well, it was implied. There was a reason I took your phone away from you. And then you gave it back. Because you were reaching for it. I remember reading articles about this show in, I want to say, Entertainment Weekly. Was that around in 93? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, Entertainment Weekly would have been around Or maybe it was Starlog Magazine back then that I was reading. But it, it seemed like they were trying to be so different from what we'd had on Next Generation for five years that it was exciting to see how it was going to still be Star Trek. And I know there were there was a lot of opposition to it at the time too because how could this be Star Trek then we're going to be on a spaceship. Yeah. But that was the that was the point that oh, they made about that show it was, was like draw, right? well it's going to be different because they can't go anywhere because they don't have a ship and they don't have this and and when it came down to it they uh, they ended up changing all of that. Well, and I think <laughs> when they added the defiance uh, to the, uh, uh, spoilers. the show. spoilers. I think we'll come to see down the road, too, that the fact that the station is stationary means that you have to develop your characters more, too, because people are coming back to see the same people every week instead of seeing where the people are going. It's what are the people doing and, and who's coming to them. So you've got to make sure your characters are more interesting, I think, than, than on a next-gen or Are they? Trek. I will say up front here that Deep Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek. I so. I know it gets really good at one point. Basically, if if I I'm almost positive that if I look at it, it's after Next Generation ends and Ron Moore, who is one of the head writers in Next Gen, jumps over to Deep Space Nine. It, that's when the series really starts picking up, and that's when the Dominion War really mm -hmm. starts going mm -hmm. and. Stuff like that. And I also think, too, they built in from the beginning 
uh, a set of characters who could create conflict amongst themselves, too. I mean, that was one of the edicts of the production staff of Next Gen, is that these people all liked each other and never disagreed with each other. So you couldn't have internal conflicts with the crew. Whereas with this show, because half of your people aren't Starfleet, you've already got a situation where you can have characters butt heads with each other. And that creates conflict in your show already, which is going to give you more story ideas. Now, uh, I'm thinking about this now, speaking of conflict. I'm now curious because, uh, well, we've all seen the, the Next Generation episode that has uh, O'Brien and uh, where he, it talks about his time with Cardassia mm-hmm. and how he doesn't like them. Now, was that forward thinking on their part that they knew that they were going to spin him off? Or was that just a coincidence and then when they built built Deep Space Nine like the, the show, they went, oh, wait, he fits in really well there? Well, that's a good question. I don't know how much lead time they had developing Deep Space Nine while they were still working on Next mm-hmm. Gen. I, I know they planted seeds earlier. I mean, Ensign Rowe was another character that was actually designed to be spun off, too, I think. She didn't actually end up going, but... She didn't want to be typecast. Right. But her background and her plot lines informed a lot of what happens on Deep Space Nine. So there was obviously some forethought, but I don't know if... I don't think O'Brien was created with the intent purpose of being spun off onto this show. Well, not created, but when when they added yeah. that backstory, I wonder if that was... Yeah, his character was maybe developed in that way, because in the beginning of The Next Generation, O'Brien didn't really have a character. He was a voice over the... He, was a tran- he just ran the transporter. Well, not even... Well, he didn't at first, did he? That was his job. Yeah, he no, he was a transporter, and then he got moved into engineering. Oh, right. And that's when we had that debate over whether or not that was a promotion or demotion. <laughs> There's always been some question about his rank, too, because they they never settled on what how many pips he had on his collar. It's different on Next Gen than when he moves to Deep Space Nine. Nine. Is he an enlisted guy? Is he an officer? Yeah. Did he just sneak on board a shuttlecraft and then they well, figured he's here now? Have, have Jen so and I told you our... Our theory on uh, on Next Generation? No. That the Enterprise isn't actually the flagship yeah. of the the Federation. It's the where they send all the screw-ups and misfits. Because <laughs> if you look at the, the cast of Next Generation... Oh, yeah. It's, it, you know, like it's The Orb only android and, in Starfleet. The only Klingon in Starfleet. Starfleet. Uh, uh, Riker, who will sleep with anything with a hole or more. <laughs> you know... It, it's one of those things that, like, when you really boil it down, it's like, wow, they're like the, the island of misfit toys in the Federation. <laughs> so our theory was that they're not, they just told them they're the flagship, and <laughs> that's why they're out in deep space, in deep space, not having to deal with anybody else. And the one competent person on the ship, which would be Picard, is there because he did something horrible, slept <laughs> with somebody, the wrong person... Somewhere, somewhere along the line, he, he screwed up and he got stuck with the Enterprise. Yeah, so that's why there's all of those, you know, head to the forehead <laughs> moments with Picard. Uh, it makes sense if you think about it. It, it does. It does. <laughs> that that that's something for all you listeners out there. Just keep that in mind the next time you're watching uh, Next Generation. How long before we get an angry email from Alex? 
Oh, well, we're going to start sending him messages tonight, remember? So uh-huh. for the next episode, we have his answers. Yes. That O'Brien question, whether or not his character with the whole backstory was Ooh. could be a good question for him. That's a good one. Yeah, I'll, 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 maybe we'll get a response to him by the time we're done listening. We figure out when that, that episode, episode was, too. I, I wouldn't think they would have started really developing ideas for Deep Space Nine until they were in the middle of Season 4 of Next Gen. Did they really run that concurrently? Deep Space Nine started airing during the sixth season of Next Gen. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Developing ideas. Yeah. Uh, it'll be something so for us to research So they could have been pl- pl- planting seeds mm. uh, in Next Gen. Or was it one of those where it's like, oh, well, we're going to do this show. It's going to have Kardashians. Oh, hey, we mentioned something about Kardashians with this guy. Let's move him over to the show. Yeah. Do you know that you just said Kardashians? Yeah, I know I did. <laughs> but you know what? They're aliens, too, to me. So. Oh, I just looked him up on Wikipedia. Who, O'Brien? Yeah. So, position. Professor of, professor of Engineering, Starfleet Academy. What? Chief Operations Officer, Deep Space Nine. Chief Engineer, USS Defiant. Transporter Chief USS Enterprise D, Helmsman Enterprise D, uh, in season one. Tactical Officer USS Phoenix. I think you just uh, you just inadvertently read a spoiler for the last episode of Deep Space Nine when you listed his first profession. Well, it doesn't say spoilers, <laughs> and I've not seen Deep Space Nine. It says Starfleet Academy. It's okay. I'm going to do. I'm going to do a dub over right before we start the episode of warning all the listeners for that. There's spoilers, just in case for they haven't. Twenty three year old show. show, just in <laughs> case. So uh, at this point, I'm going to pause the recording, and we are going to watch the well, show. But I just found his whole backstory. And then when we come back. We'll talk about the episode. But it, for people listening, it won't be any time at all. Pardon me, wants to put like an elevator music now? Like, do, do, no, do, 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 We could all hum the theme song. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. I, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I haven't watched this show in years. Music from, um, Let's all Monty go Python and the Holy Grail. Or not, because that's copyrighted? Yeah. Yeah, I don't feel like it's soon. <laughs> Okay, so no time will pass, and we will be back in a moment. What for? Well, for us, it'll probably be about an hour. Two hours. We're it's also, a two-hour episode. Oh, is it? Is and it? we're also getting food in between us. So, so uh, keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't very good. Momo, me, momo. <laughs> I've been poking them. I'm singing off key. <laughs> And we are back, even though it didn't probably take up any time for uh, the, the listeners. Hopefully. Maybe a little interlude music. Um, so that was the first episode of Deep Space Nine. Out of first episode, season one out of seven seasons? Seven seasons. It ran seven seasons. Um, so what did everybody think? In general thoughts, I guess, first. And then we'll go into the details. Some of that episode was... Cisco takes command of a space station and visits the space psychiatrist. And but becomes the emissary. That's the title of the episode. Yeah, but he didn't really become an emissary. He got sucked into a wormhole, had his thoughts thought out, and then now they're like, okay, you go fly through us. No biggie. <laughs> they had a lot to accomplish in this episode. They had to mm-hmm. set up the, the situation, the station, all the new characters... And uh, throw a whole new 
set of terms and and um, and conditions uh, at us, and I thought they did a really great job with it. I thought um, you, while we didn't see a lot of some of the characters, this was a Cisco episode, mm. and it did a great job of setting up who this guy is and why he's the focus of this show. And it did a good job setting up Cisco's relationship with all of the the, the rest of the crew. Yes. Like we, like you said, it wasn't really. It was a Cisco episode, and we didn't see a lot about the char- the other characters, except for how they now relate to Cisco. Exactly. Now, um, it's a lot better than I remembered it being. That's what I was like. It did say. drag in some parts, but it opens with a great space battle. Oh yeah, yeah the be- the beginning was awesome. Which I completely forgot about. Yeah. Yeah, as the uh, the beginning uh, explanation is going up, Ryan is like, "Why are they telling us this?" <laughs> Because it all informs who Cisco is, right? Yeah. Which is the major theme of the whole episode. And it's a great way to tie it to the next generation in the Star Trek universe. Yes. Yeah. Um, Is it a Star Trek tradition for at least one episode you have to explain to, in, in like one episode per season or per series, you have to explain to an alien species everything about being human? I think they were like, it. what? What is time? What? What is Lynn here? What are people? <laughs> I think What's they, a hamburger? They waited a little while in the next generation before they did that. Wasn't no, it? no, they didn't. Didn't they? No, no the first episode. first episode with humanity on trial. Oh, was that the first episode? <laughs> yeah. I always That's think right, that there's yes. more episodes before that one. Because I was going to say it wasn't until they met Q that they did that. But okay, that was the first. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess in some ways it is, because Star Trek is a show about the human condition. Yeah, and, uh, okay, well, maybe not Voyager. Oh, I assume it's got to happen with Voyager at some point, but I don't remember it. In Voyager, I, I, okay, now, it's been a long time since I've seen Voyager, but Voyager was more of when they were explaining to the the Doctor how to be human, and, yeah. and Seven of Nine how to regain her humanity. But there was the alien that brought them to... Mm. That end of space that they had to, you know, when they went to see him, he lived on the farm, and, you know, he was trying to find other versions of himself, I guess, like other species. Right. His and didn't species. they prove their humanity by not blowing him up and keeping themselves stranded there? Something like that, You guys yeah. have a way better memory than I do. Hmm. <laughs> they, we'll get to Voyager sure. in about 180 weeks. Oh. That's a lot of episodes. You can always watch it on your own. Episode 190, Voyager. <laughs> By that point, we're not talking to each other. <laughs> you and I have divorced. It's no. an awkward podcast. I think there are 176 episodes of Deep Space Nine. So they overlap, though. We could, we could. Yeah, we'll see how we'll see how it goes when we get there. I, I'm actually like because watching this first episode, it it brought back because it does a very good job of setting up the characters. Yes, and I think like everybody, obviously, all the actors obviously tweak their performances mm-hmm. later on. I hope, but so. for the most part, a lot of them are pretty established. Well, O'Brien had already mm-hmm. established himself, obviously, but. Uh, like, uh, Cisco more or less kind of stay, like becomes that character right from the get-go. I think so. Yeah, there's some changes and stuff. Uh, from what I can tell from this episode, I think the biggest swap in characteristics is probably Bashir. 
Because he seems much more cowboy gung ho than I remember his character ever being. Kind of like naive, wanting to do medicine on the frontiers of space, insulting all the other non-human places. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, um, and I think, I think that you know we were concerned at first that the first season of Deep Space Nine wasn't good, but that was a really great setup. For a show that's going to run for seven years. Yeah. yeah. As somebody who has not seen the show very much, if at all, uh, I thought that was a great first episode. And and not to jump too far ahead into the rest of the shows and seasons, it really establishes bits that become... Like, Cisco's love of baseball mm-hmm. is there from episode one, and that's and at least an important plot point in two or three different episodes through like in later seasons. And in yeah. addition to setting up your main seven cast members, there there were also at least five other characters that were at least shown that will become major players mm. uh, within the run of the series. The only one they're missing is the tailor, right? The, uh, what's his name? I always remember, it's the it's actor's Garrick. name's Andrew. Ah. That's a, yes. The actor's Garrick. name is Andrew Robertson. Yeah. Robertson. Garrick's not there yet. But Dukat yeah. uh, is a great recurring villain. Maybe the best villain in Star Trek. I may go down as saying that. Uh, oh, at least movie. in modern Star Trek. I'd argue Khan's pretty kick-ass. This is all news to me. I don't know who the recurring characters are going to be. But well, Khan <laughs> you know, only occurred twice, really. Mm. The one episode in the True. one movie. Yeah. yeah. And the Borg are, aren't really... A character per se i guess well, they're a force of nature yeah it wasn't really a recurring would you say there was a recurring villain in next generation yeah i wouldn't say he was a villain he was more like a um he was a mischievous god he's like he's loki or a nancy yeah. or, or the, he's the trickster god that's yeah. popular in mythology but i mean we saw flashes in the background of of Quark's brother and his nephew. Yep. I, I mean, Nog. Quark's brother is a character that really changes yep. over. Uh, That's true. Over the well, he gets more of a character. Yeah. Yeah, like he, he really gets something to play after all. So, in addition to setting up these characters, we've set up the Bajoran religion. We've set up the conflict between the Cardassians and the Bajorans. You know the conflict they, of the Majorans themselves. Yes, the fact that that even within their society, they're not their they're not settled. And, yeah. So the creators of this show gave us a first episode that can lead to so many story possibilities. Mm. Because that was a fear going into this show, right? That this this is a show about a stationary um, object or station, and. Uh, uh, where are the stories going to come from? Well, we're going to give you these stories uh, Yeah, from this setup. And I think... So, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask a question, so you finish yours. Um, I think, remembering back from when I first watched it, when it debuted, I think I had the worry that, like, because it had been advertised, oh, they don't really go anywhere, it's, it's sort of set in one location. And then I remember watching this episode, and it's like... They're full of shit. They're already <laughs> setting it up so, like, the space station moves. They have shuttles they can fly around. True. Stuff like that. But actually, they don't, up until the Dominion War, I don't think they really go places that much. 
Like, uh, the, the runabouts are used, but it's more like just to kind of go to other well, ships or back to Bajor and stuff like they, that. They do go and explore the other side of the wormhole a few times. Uh, a bit, yeah, because that's where the, the Dominion yeah, starts that, showing up. That's much later, the Dominion stuff, but... And uh, Jeffrey Combs, who's been an alien on every version of Star Trek other than the original, I think. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Overall, though, good first episode. So my question was, do the wormhole gods come back? They are a presence throughout the series. Yeah. You get stretches where they're not involved at all, but they're stretches where they don't have anything to do with the story. And they they communicate pretty much only with Sisko? Is that why he's the emissary? (sighs) Yeah, more or less. So basically he's like the trusted human to to, to the... Wormhole gods. Yeah, he's pretty yeah. much the only one that needs oh, okay. to go to their See, space. Now Good. that makes it make a little more sense because I was like, he's not really an emissary. They just kind of pick his brain and let him go. But if in future episodes, you know, he's the conduit that they speak through, then that makes more sense. Because we and get it, we get a new Kai at some point too. Jump in the timeline again. Yeah, I can't. Re- I can. I can't remember when that is. I just because I was surprised. I in my head. The woman who, or the woman who's always competing for that position, mm-hmm. I thought she was in it from the start, but I guess not. No. Well, now I'm just going to speculate on the next episode, because I don't really remember what, exactly what happens in number two, but they didn't really make, you know, there wasn't enough time left at the end of the episode when he came back through the wormhole for them to make a big deal that he contacted the wormhole people and mm-hmm. all this. Now, I think that... You know, they make a big deal of that in number two, and that's when a lot of the Bajorans start to, you know, looking at him more like, uh, you know, like an emissary or some kind of religious mm. issue. I, mean, I, I don't know how long it takes before that storyline yeah. picks up again. Hmm. Interesting. It's an interesting spin for a, a, a Star Trek when it's mostly... Um, they mostly seem to find like scientific answers and sci- like there's always the unexplained and, mm-hmm. and and but they always try to find some kind of sciency spin to it that they kick off Deep Space Nine with a religious spin. It's interesting. Well, he's got to be careful too, being now if once they start looking at him as a religious figure yeah. uh, with the whole Prime Directive. Yeah, but it's like you said with um, with it being a stationary station yeah. <laughs> that they have to figure out how to make it interesting. So it's interesting that that's the route that they take. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways this show is ahead of its time, you know, with stories that deal with this kind of thing. Yeah. Fallout from a war, uh, religion versus science. Uh, you know, these are these are big themes in modern fiction too. Yep. And for a show that predates 9-11 mm-hmm. by 12 years, uh, it's uh, it, 12 years, 18 years. 18 years it predates it by. And, uh, You're making us all feel old. Sorry, not 18, 8. Let's, let's get what? my math right. <laughs> <laughs> 1993 is only 8 years before 2001. Uh, but, me, but still. It's that new math. None of us corrected you. I think that's the important Because I speak thing. with such authority. Exactly. We're all like, oh, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> sure, it's 18 years between. It's eight years. Eight years. <laughs> but, you know, you can see the same kind of themes in 24 or oh, yeah. Game of Thrones. No, it's as a, as I recall, once the show really gets going... And uh, now I'm a little worried because um, I, I was talking to my other Star Trek expert, Alex James, 
and he was saying how like the the first season of Deep Space Nine is a, a tough sort of bog to to, to trek through. And I'm like, well, that first episode was good. Yeah. Does that mean the rest of it is going to be Does really it go downhill? <laughs> I don't think it's as tough a slog as watching the first season of Next Generation. Uh, well, we just we just did that not too long ago, so we'll be able to compare. I couldn't remember what the first episode of Star Trek: The Next go, Generation was yeah, true. a minute ago. So really, yeah, honestly, I just knit through it. <laughs> there was a lot of Wesley Crusher saving the ship. Yep. Oh right, and shut yeah, because that's what we <laughs> that's what we spent the whole we, we spent the first season going. Why isn't anybody listening to Wesley Crusher? <laughs> he knows what he's talking about, and then he's like, "Screw you, humanity!" and goes off to become some space god at the end. That's of the why he goes off. I guess I he don't was blame him. Being, everybody, like, how about we do the shut up, Wesley? <laughs> everybody except Ashley Judd. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then she gets... His girlfriend for an episode, and then she disappears to an acting career. Yes. Aww. We ended a lot of episodes of The Next Generation with, and they were never heard from again. And we can't say that about this show. Okay, that's good. There are a lot of... Like I said, there are a lot of things that were in this first episode that become major recurring plot points. Even, like, small things like... Uh, what's his name? Morn. More the, the 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 bar patron who's there from episode he's one to the last episode. episode. Who? He's an alien the who sits at Quark's the... bar. Oh, he the, never says a word, but he's in every episode. The joke is there's is, a good job for that actor. His uh, his name is backwards is Norm. Oh, he's geez. Norm from Cheers, the space version. That's why wow, they called wow. him that. <laughs> because he's at the bar every day, every episode. I th- I believe there's one episode though where somebody calls him out, like something along the lines, like "And you, what do you even do here?" And he's like, "Ah," yeah. like doesn't say <laughs> anything. Episode where they have to go looking for him too. Yeah. Oh, really? There's one where he's dead. <laughs> yeah. and he, he fakes his own death. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll get to that. Um, See, that's the thing this first episode is really making me look forward to is, like, it brought back memories of, like, we have the baseball episode coming up in a couple seasons somewhere, mm-hmm. the, uh, the the Trials and Tribulations episode, mm-hmm. which is... The Trouble with Tribbles episode. And it's, <laughs> it was, like, that's one of their best. Uh, the, the baseball episode with, um, uh, what's his name, Nog and uh, Jake, where mm-hmm. they go to get... Jake's dad a birthday present mm-hmm. from Iggy Pop. <laughs> it's, so we, we do have good stuff to yeah. look forward to, definitely. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm making a confused face at that last comment. <laughs> Iggy Pop plays a, an alien in that particular episode of, of Deep oh, Space Nine. Okay. But he he looks and he sounds like Iggy Pop. It's just with makeup on, you know? It's, Who already looks like an alien. Yeah, he's... <laughs> Wasn't a big stretch. He's like 70 and shredded like Bruce Lee. How does that work? <laughs> I want to talk about Avery Brooks for a minute. Yeah, go ahead. He, uh, I mean, this was his episode. So this was a double length episode, hour and mm. a half without commercials. Yeah, and Netflix. And it was all on him, right? And he acted the hell out of that episode. Like every emotion in the in the book was was given. And yet you never felt he was overdoing it. I, I thought 
I thought the way he plays his relationship with his son is touching and I know at times it felt a little bit overbearing, but this is a man who's still suffering from the loss of his wife and every time he looks at his son, he's going to see her. So I thought he played that really nicely. His joy at seeing his old friend who's in a new, young, beautiful body, but still his joy at seeing his old friend came through his wonder at the, uh, the experience with the wormhole aliens I just thought he was amazing in this episode. He he's a really good actor. Maybe it was because Patrick Stewart sort of started laying the groundwork of bringing on good actors to be the the leads in Star Trek things. Let's let, let let's be honest here. William Shatner, not the world's greatest actor. Um, and I'm not knocking into the other. He's cast. gotten much better, but like no, no, but maybe like you need that tentpole yeah. guy, right? And maybe Patrick Stewart was like after Patrick Stewart, they went back because um, well, you and I are old enough to to remember him on Spencer for Hire oh, yeah. and the short-lived spinoff A Man Called Hawk, mm-hmm. and he was really good in that too. And I think he's a theater actor originally, yeah, isn't he? I think so, but he wasn't allowed to show the range on Spencer for Hire. No, <laughs> no, he would. He was Luke Cage without the superpowers, <laughs> exactly. essentially. Um, helping Robert Urich out, but it, you know, and uh, then they went from him to I guess Kate Mulgrew would be the the next one that mm-hmm. they they cast for a captain, and she's a, a very decent actress yes, too. She is. Especially when you, I don't like the Orange Is the New Black, but she does a good job on it. Uh, like to point that one out specifically, because yeah. before that, the only thing I remember from is she, she was Columbo's Mrs. wife. Columbo, yeah. Which seems really, really weird. She was much younger then. <laughs> Which was part of the weird part because he was much older then. Yes, yes, he was. And it just did like it's like why would no? So um, just to to end off this round of great track expectations, um, I guess we'll uh, go around the table and see what everybody is uh, looking forward to in the next episode of Deep Space Nine. Jen, we'll start with you. Anything? What I'm looking forward to in the next or, episode. Or in, sorry, in Deep Space Nine in general. Not the next episode. In what's episode. coming up. And what what's are you looking forward up? to in the series that this yeah. is set up? Um, it's audio, dear. Nobody saw that gesture. That was a cute pouty case, Jen. <laughs> that was a shrug. I don't know what I'm looking forward to. Uh, was there anything in the episode that was set up that you are interested to see how it's going to pay off down the road? I'm interested more in, I'm interested in learning more about the backstory of the characters. Like we were yeah. talking about how uh, O'Brien develops more in Deep Space Nine, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to I find Odo a fascinating character mm-hmm. when he was saying that he basically came from the wormhole, if I understood that right. They found him floating in the Denorius belt. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they develop that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the idea of, of Jadzia Dax as the symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. I know Worf comes at some point, so I'm interested in seeing how that all plays out. Mm-hmm. So I'm more interested in seeing how the characters develop than any kind of specific plot point, I think. Ryan? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I've been looking forward to re-watching this ever since it came back on Netflix. So, so knowing that we were going to do this, I've been holding off and not making it one of my regular series that I watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just looking forward to watching it again. 
uh, seeing how many times they kick the machines to you know the computers to make it work. Or uh, you know, instead of turning it off and turning it on, you know, you just punch it a few times and then. What it was it you called it, Kevin? Calling Fonzie? Yeah, calling yeah. Fonzie. Just bang on it. <laughs> it works. That's how I troubleshoot it. Work. Excellent. <laughs> when in doubt, take a hammer to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's about it. I'm just you know, listening to all the science gobbledygook that makes complete sense to everybody on that mm-hmm. zone that hears it, except for everybody that's watching it. Techno babble. Yeah. What about you, Kev? I love this show. Uh, I, think I said that already. Yeah, I'm going to say it again. I love this show. This is my favorite show, but uh, my, it's my favorite Star Trek. Yes. Uh, but I haven't watched it in years. So I am excited to go through the journey of it again and to watch it with friends because a lot of times when I was younger, I watched it alone, sad in my room by myself. <laughs> I'm but, playing a sad by yes. for you, Kevin. So, play, so watching it with friends and having these discussions, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I can't wait till we get to a really bad one because I think the discussions will be Yeah, because I know there's a couple. Oh, there's one coming up pretty soon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> great. Huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's not Voyager. How about you, Brent? What's uh, um, what's? I, I'm looking forward to seeing how some of the characters develop. I'm really looking forward to to Garrick showing up because he was like my favorite secondary character on that right. show. And Andrew Robinson's one of those actors that I tend to like no matter what he's in. Yep. And he was one of those first actors that I can remember like recognizing through the makeup. I'm like, that's the guy from Dirty Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst other things, but Dirty Harry, I guess, is probably what yeah, Dirty Harry and probably Hellraiser are the yeah. two that he's really known for. Which is, I guess, that makes it kind of funny because that there are two alumni of the Hellraiser franchise on Deep Space Nine. Because mm. right before she did Deep Space Nine, what's her name, Terry Farrell, mm-hmm. Dax, she was in Hellraiser Three, well, she really- which is often regarded as uh, until they went started going straight to video. That was one of the worst of the Hellraiser series. <laughs> I've never seen any of the Hellraiser movies. I don't like horror movies. The first two are really good, and then the the they start going downhill with hers. Because well, you know what the character, the villain characters like Pinhead looks like. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know the visual. Yeah. Well, they they all have some sort of affectation to them. And in Terry Farrell's entering the series, there's one that um, they wanted to modernize it so. There's one that's part CD player, and there's another one that's uh, part video camera slash rocket launcher. So does he shoot like video cassettes or CDs out? Like, CDs, you know, yeah, and they like cut like, through shot. people's heads and stuff like that's that. Cool. It's Delicious. The the only good thing about part three is it introduces us to Dax, <laughs> like the, the actress who plays Dax, and it's got a really kick-ass Motorhead song on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Um, well, uh, uh, that's it for us for this episode. Uh, just a reminder, the, the Great Trek Spectations will be every two episodes. So the next one is just going to be us talking about nerd stuff. And then we're going to come back with episode two of Deep Space Nine. So that, I'm looking forward to doing both those things. Because I like talking about nerdy stuff with my friends. So uh, Do we know what episode two is? I'm just looking up the title of episode two, two. Right now. Oh, and before we go, I should uh, say, did we have any questions for Alex in the end? Was there anything we wanted to bug him about this week? Oh, there was something we thought of. Was it O'Brien's rank system? Well, we already asked him that when we were watching Next Generation. Yeah, but he's got a memory like a goldfish sometimes, so he doesn't remember that. (laughs) Oh, 
There was another have, one. Was nothing. Trying to find my words here. It didn't have anything to do with the whole why families are on the ships. That discussion we were. Oh, we could ask him that. Why? Do, why don't they evacuate yeah. families? So off at the, the very, ship? very beginning, at least when they're in a battle, when they were showing all of the the ships going after the board cube, and you know the ship's about to explode, and they're saying evacuate the civilians. My first thought was, if they know they're flying towards a hostile ship. Why would they bring the civilians with them? Hmm. What what's it called? Wolf three. Wolf three five nine. Three five nine. The battle of Wolf three five nine. The battle of Wolf three five nine. I mean, there's outposts and planets and other ships and. They could always just stick them in a you know in an escape pod and let them float around for a while. Yeah, it's a federation of planets, so it's like there's lots of planets. Drop them off somewhere. There's research facilities and scientific outposts, and honestly, they didn't fly past any of those on the way to the board cube. Not a one. <laughs> okay, so I've sent Alex James that message. We will have an answer with the. From him, I'm sure by the time uh, the next uh, Great Trekspectations episode uh, happens. So in the uh, the meantime, everyone, if you're enjoying the show, uh, continue to subscribe and listen in whatever formats you can at the time. Join and uh, and page. join the Facebook page. Right now, it's a, it's a closed Facebook page. It is a closed group, but anybody who searches for True North Nerds will find it. You can send us a message, and we will add you to the group. Yeah, one, one of the four of us will do that, uh, assuming you're not creepy. We don't like creepy people. <laughs> or a robot. Unless you're a friendly robot. <laughs> Why are there no robots on Deep Space Nine? Well, there's no robots really in Star Except Trek other than Data. Data. And, well, and, those and there was a whole episode proving that he wasn't a robot and had rights. Yeah, uh, but beyond that, there's the, the little worker robot guys, and I guess that's about it. Little worker robot. The, remember, they gained sentience, and uh, the crew wants to send them in yes. to fix something oh, that'll destroy yes. them. And Data's like, you can't do that. They're people, too. Oh, God. Yeah. But that's a different Star Trek show. So uh, join the Facebook group. Follow us on uh, the uh, delivery system of your choice for this podcast. And the next episode, more nerd stuff of whatever happens to be uh, on our minds at that time. Until then, thank you very much, and we will see you next episode. You've been listening to the True North Nerds, recorded at the Utility Cupcake Research Kitchen. Reach the nerds on Twitter at True North Nerds, on Facebook under, surprise, True North Nerds. And you can reach them by email at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. If you like the opening theme song, it's called Set Your Phasers to Sexy by Kirby Crackle from the album Sounds Like You. Please go to KirbyCrackleMusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. In my ear.